0: First Corinthians chapter twelve and verse one. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So what is what do you surmise by this verse that the apostle Paul is going to discuss in the next few verses? What? Spiritual gifts. Concerning spiritual gifts, I would, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And so we're going to read some verses in this passage and some other passages about spiritual gifts. Now please hear what I'm about to say. Very simple, but I don't want to miss it. Why would we talk about that in a series about the Holy Spirit? The answer we'll find in a moment. From the Bible. But the reason is because it's the Spirit of God that gifts us to serve Him. So let's pray and ask God to bless tonight. Father, please bless as we study. Lord, we need you. We need your leadership. We need your power. We need your wisdom. Father, we need you to work in our lives. We thank you for the Spirit of God that's been given to us. And we pray that we could learn, not just in our hearts, our minds, but in our experience, what it means for you to enable us to do your work. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let's drop down in that passage, if you would, to verse 4. And I want to read verses 4 through 7. First um, Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, keep that in mind. The same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And then in verse 6, And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. So things there, he says, we all have in common. We have the same Spirit. We have the same Lord. We have the same God. But then he says there are things that are different about us. Notice what he said in verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, different gifts. We all have the same spirit, but we have different gifts. Then verse 5, and there are differences of administrations. There are different ways those gifts operate, different ministries and and different manner in which he works, but the same Lord. And in verse 6, there are diversities of operations. But it's the same God which worketh all in all. So all of us have the same Spirit. All of us have the same Lord. If you're saved, you have the same God. But there are diversities of spiritual gifts and diversities of ministries that would depend upon those gifts and the way those gifts operate in a person's life or in a ministry. Now look in verse six. And these are diversities, there are diversities of operations. Notice this, but it is the same God. Which worketh all in all. Now, it'll become more clear maybe in the next few verses, but he's talking about the church, the church at Corinth, how God works in the church. And he's talking about, and when he says there in verse 6, the same God which worketh all in all. The spiritual gifts that each one of us who are saved have is a result of God working in our life. Now, that's one of many reasons we need God working in our life. God wants to work in our life. Salvation is a work of God. Would you agree with that? It is a divine work, it's a supernatural work. He raises us spiritually from death to life. He translates us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. He makes us new creatures. Old things are passed away. All things become. That is a miraculous work. But God does not quit working in us when we get saved, He begins to work in us when we get saved. And so we need him working in our life. Look in verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit. The word manifestation means it's it's manifest, it becomes obvious, it becomes real, it becomes known. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? Who's it given to? Every man. Does that mean most men, some men? No, every man. It's not just talking about man as the male, but every person. Every saved person. The the work of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every person. Now, young person, please hear me. If you are saved, and I have no way of knowing who's saved and who's not. But if you're saved, I know this. If you're born again, the Spirit of God lives in you. And if He lives in you, He wants to work in you. And to every child of God is given, according to this passage, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. It will be said again in other places in similar ways, but it's given to every one of his children. Now notice the last part of verse 7. It's given to every man to profit with all. Why would God give me spiritual gifts? And the answer is, according to that verse... That it might help other people. Amen. That it might profit with all. Profit means it's benefiting them. So so this is just it's just simple, logical, rational interpretation of the scripture. Every Christian has the Spirit of God living in them, and He lives in them to empower them, and His presence in them gives them spiritual gifts that through those gifts spiritual gifts, they might be a help and a blessing to other people. Now that's, that's, what, that's the way God set it up. Now look up here and listen carefully. I think most of us, if we just stopped right now and think about what we've covered, we'd say, I don't think that's going on all the time. I don't know that that's going on. I don't know that most of God's people recognize that God is working in their life and giving them abilities and gifts that they could minister to other people. I don't you know what I I don't think that's happening a lot. And you know what? I would tend to agree with that. I don't know that it's happening a lot. But this is the way it ought to be happening. So why are we gifted? We're gifted that we could profit others. Now, let's just think about this. If if I've been gifted spiritually, that I could profit other people. And I'm not exercising my gift if I'm not ministering in the area of my giftedness. Does that mean that people are going to be harmed or hurt or miss out on something because I'm not doing my job? Does it mean that? Absolutely, that's what it means. Right. If you've you've been gifted, if you're you're a Christian, if you've been saved, the Spirit of God lives in you, according to the Bible, and we're going to look at other passages, according to the Bible, He has has given a special giftedness in you so that you will be a help and a blessing to other people. And if you're not doing your job, other people are missing out on something because you're not doing your job. And I think it's important to understand because sometimes we think, well, if I just want to be a slacker, if I just want to be carnal, if I just want to be selfish, if I don't want to engage with people, if I don't want to minister, it's not hurting anybody but me. Wrong. Wrong. Because God intends for us to be a, to be a prophet to other people. Right? That's what the Bible teaches. Now, beginning in verse 8, there's some gifts that are listed I want to read through this and comment about it briefly. Verse 8, it says, For the one is given by the Spirit. I want to emphasize that phrase, by the Spirit. Who gives the gifts? The Spirit does. For the one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. By the same Spirit. Same Spirit, but He gives different gifts. To another, faith. By the same Spirit. Same Spirit, a gift of faith. To another, the gifts of healing. By the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, divers kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self same Spirit. Same Spirit, lots of different gifts. Last part of verse 11. Dividing to every man severally as he will. The Spirit of God determines what gifts to give to different peoples. He gives to them severally as He wills. Now, a word about these gifts. Because these gifts, these gifts we're looking at, these gifts are often mentioned and magnified and emphasized in, in some denominations or in charismatic or Pentecostal uh, churches, but this whole passage here, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and we're not going to go through it tonight, but these three chapters, 13, 12, 13, and 14, are specifically given in the Bible to correct error when it comes to spiritual gifts, and he deals with those in great detail. These gifts in verses 8, 9, and 10 or not, excuse me, 10, uh, yeah, 8, 9, and 10 are what we sometimes call sign gifts, and they had, by that they were they had a temporary purpose. They're actually temporary gifts, miracles, the gift of miracles. And I'm going to tell you today, all these gifts, signs, um, miracles, healings, gift of healings. What, how, what would the gift of healing be? That would be like people. Who was when when the apostles would go up to them, maybe walk through the streets, and they're being healed, just completely healed, healed at random. Entire Jesus would heal entire villages. That's the gift of healing. Those gifts are no longer in, in used. They're not. They don't. The, the apostles had the sign gifts, the gifts of healing. They they, they healed just like Jesus healed. And tongues, the word tongues is talking about languages. God gifted them with languages. They they would have the gift of languages to speak to people the gospel. And then interpretation was not taking some kind of gibberish and turning it into an understandable language. It was hearing a language and being able to interpret and understand that language. Now, the Bible, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we, we teach on this from time to time in in detail. But look in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13. For me, it's just across the page. And look in verse 8. It says, Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. These gifts, these temporary gifts would eventually uh, phase out and they did phase out for we know in part and we prophesy in part verse 10 prophesies to proclaim God's word but when that which is perfect is come then that which is in part shall be done away so these gifts were available to give people prophetic messages and and you see that in the book of acts where where the they would come with a message from God and and but but something he says when that which is when that which is perfect is come that which is a part shall be done away. Now what is he talking about? That which is perfect is come. And really, it's pretty clear to me, it's talking about the completion of the Word of God. Amen. The reason people reason people needed these revelations and this gift of knowledge and gift of wisdom is because they didn't have the completed word of God, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. And um, he goes on to say in verse 11 there, when I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became man, I put away childish things. and so these healing gifts, and I know people say they have them, but I'm telling you, number one, doctrinally, theologically, they no longer exist, but practically, I promise you, they don't exist. Because if they did, people could walk through Mercy Hospital in Washington or Missouri Baptist Hospital in Sullivan and heal indiscriminately everybody that was sick and send them home well. That's the way the gifts of healing worked. Right? So so those gifts, so if you're sitting here thinking, man, I think I have. (laughs) I think I've got this gift. Then, you know, I've got some medical problems. You can help me after services are over. I shouldn't make light of it, but I'm just saying these, it's clear, and it's taught in the Bible that they're, that they would phase out, that they would go away. But look in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 12. But all these worketh that's one in the self same spirit. Here's the important thing that he, these gifts may have a temporary lifespan, but these other spiritual gifts we're going to talk about don't. Dividing to every man severally as he wills. He gives to every man as he wills. Chooses. If you look down a little further in verse 12, he says, For as the body is one. Now, now, this is an important thing to understand for the lesson tonight. Verse 12, For as the body is one. Now, there he's talking about the physical body, your human body. As the body is one and has many members, has fingers and toes and eyeballs, and the body is one, has many members. As the body is one, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So he's telling us in this passage that the body, the church body, is like the physical body. It has many members. And all members are not the same. They don't have the same purpose. He gives the gifts as he determines. Look down in verse 14 of chapter 12. For the body is not one member, but many. And I love, I've always, every time I read this, I enjoy it. Verse 15, if the foot shall say, that'd be funny if a foot said anything, right? (laughs) If a foot shall say, behold, I'm not the hand. Imagine the foot, imagine your foot saying, I'm not the hand, I want to be the hand. If the foot shall say, behold, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And the, It's a rhetorical question. Well, sure it is. It's not It's not the hand, but it's the foot, and it's an important part of the body. Verse 16. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? He st- now, that's very practical and very sensible. What if everything on your, what if everything on your body was a thumb? You know, it'd be kind of weird. Verse 18 But now hath God set the members, every one in, in the body, as it has pleased him. You know, one of the things about the Bible is it gives us God's ideal, it gives us God's plan. And we ought to try to build our lives and our families and our relationship to God off of what God says in His Word. It'd be like it'd be like a construction worker getting ready to build a, a structure, build a building, and he looks at the plan. He ought to look at the plan. He looks at the plan and sees what it's supposed to look like. Now, here, please, this is very important. As Christians, we ought to look at the plan and see what it's supposed to look like, and this is how it's supposed to look. Every member of the body is a vital member of the body. And all the members of the body aren't identical. Right? We're not the same. But every one of us, as a member of the body, contribute to the entire body, the function of the body. Now, that's the way it's supposed to look. That's the way it's supposed to work. And God placed us in the body, verse 18 says, as it pleased Him. Now, turn with me to the left a little bit, if you would, to Romans And we're going to see a few more verses having to do with spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12. And just so that we get on the same page here as far as what the context of this passage is, Romans chapter 12, look in verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So could we agree that this passage is about spiritual gifts? And once again, as it said in 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts differ. Having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, we don't decide what spiritual gifts we have. God decides that for us. So that's the context. And so back up, if you would, please, to verse 1 and 2. And and I read them, not because they're speaking about spiritual gifts, but it's an important thing to understand related to spiritual gifts. Verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He's speaking to the members there of the church, these Roman believers. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed... By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now he's going to go immediately and talk about spiritual gifts. But before he talked about spiritual gifts, he he says you need to give your life to God. You need to present your body as a living sacrifice. When you and I genuinely, sincerely dedicate our life to God, we give our life to God as completely as we know how, that's not a sacrifice at the brazen altar, a burnt offering, it's a living sacrifice. We're giving ourselves to God. And God demands that, He deserves that. And, and, And then He says, don't let the world shape you. Don't be conformed to this world. The world is not the pattern that we want to live after. But be transformed, Let the, have, the, have your thinking transformed that you may do what? Prove what God's will is. And then the very next verse, look in verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, Paul writes, to every man. I have those words, every man, highlighted and underlined. Every man. This is not just for some people. These for all of God's people. To every man that is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't have an inflated view of yourself. But to think soberly. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Every person has been given spiritual gifts. You say, I know he's talking about spiritual gifts. Look at the very next verse. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, we don't have, we don't all have the same function. We don't all have, have the same purpose. Many members, one body, doesn't all, all, you know, my, my eyeball doesn't do what my elbow does. They, my, but both of them are important. They don't, they have this, they don't have the same function. So we, verse five, being many, many members, being many, are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. So he's telling us we are members of each other. Now, I know we don't think like this. Some people think they walk into church as an individual, isolated. They're a Christian. They're a believer in Jesus. They they want to assemble. They want to worship. They want to learn about the Bible. They walk out as an individual person and they have no connection. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we're members of each other. Just like my thumb is a member of my body, my big toe is a member of my body, my... They're, me- they're members of this body. That is so elementary, isn't it? And yet that's what the Bible says the church is to be. Every individual member is a part of the body. And, that, and the language is very clear there in verse 5. Everyone members one of another. This is, this is how God sees us. And this is how God wants us to see ourselves. And just seeing ourselves like that could make a difference in our spiritual lives. Verse 6, Having then gifts, we read this earlier, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, and He's going he's to lift some other spiritual gifts. There's seven of them I have underlined. first one is prophecy. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And I believe this prophecy here is not foretelling it's not telling the future, it's telling forth. It's telling what God it's preaching what God says. And there's no doubt that people have the gift, you know, of proclaiming truth. Or he says in verse 7, ministry. That's like service. Let us wait on our ministry. You know, some people just are obviously gifted to serve how they want to serve. Or he that teacheth on teaching. There's everybody can be a teacher. The pastors be apt to teach, but there's a spiritual gift of teaching. Verse 8, or he that exhorteth, an exhorter is an encourager. He that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Everybody's to be a giver. Every one of us are commanded to give. But some people have the gift of giving. They're just especially gifted with with that supernatural blessing. And then there's what I would call leadership, would be a synonym. He that ruleth. He's gifted with leadership, with diligence. He that showeth mercy, with cheerfulness. Some people have, are gifted. We ought to all be merciful, right? Every one of us should be. But some people have the gift of mercy. There's especially, extraordinarily merciful. Not my gift, I can tell you for sure. But I do want to show mercy. So here's another list of gifts. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time tonight on the lists, the lists of gifts. But I just want us to understand where these gifts come from. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. He's the one that gives us the gifts. He, he gives, dispenses or disperses those gifts, distributes those gifts according to His perfect wisdom. So, let's just, let's just do a little review. Several things should be clear to us from these scriptures. Number one, all of us who are saved are gifted to serve. Amen. And we are all, now I know this is not true of everybody in this room, but for the most part is is, we're all members of this body, the Lord's body. We're a member of this body. And look at it like you're not, not, not like membership is just something like a name on a roll, church member roll, but a member like a thumb or a finger or an elbow or an eyelash. A member. You're a part of this body. If that be true, and it is true, and I'm going to make a statement that I hope is wrong. I think the vast majority of people who profess Christ don't really take this as seriously as they ought to. I hope that's wrong. But I think it's right. The contribution of every member is vital. And it's the Holy Spirit who decides what gifts we have. And it is His working in us that enables us to minister with our gifts. Um, When members are functioning in the body, When members who have the gift of service or the gift of leadership or the gift of giving or the gift of teaching, when when members are functioning in the body, they're helping the body. That's what they're supposed to do. They are strengthening the church and the influence and the ministry of the church. But when members are not functioning in the body, it has a negative impact on the church. You know... Sometimes we say. I've I've said this. I try not to say it, uh, but sometimes I say it, and other people say it. They'll say, "That's Brother So and So's church." You know, "That's Brother Waymire's church," as though it belongs to him. And I assure you, he don't want it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But people look at the ministry like it's primarily the pastor. The pastor is only one member of the church. He may be more visible. He may be louder. He may talk more and longer. Amen? But He's only one member. And every member of the church, every member of the body, is important. It's important. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I was working on this outline, this sermon, not much of an outline really, But uh, as I sat there at my typewriter, typing out some notes, I was thinking about this. While I'm typing, my brain is telling me what to say. And my fingers are moving around on the keys, touching the keys, according to what my brain tells my fingers to do. But my fingers can only function... I'm thinking about this while I'm typing... My fingers can only function with the aid of my arms and my wrists, my hands. And my eyes are following the images of the letters on the screen. And my vertebrae helps my head to be tilted in a way that I can easily see the screen with my eyes as my hands move across it. I'm thinking about all this. And while I'm typing this out, my hand reaches out for a cup of coffee because there's no good sermons come about without a cup of coffee. And my ears can hear the slurping sound of my lips when I'm sipping my coffee. Now, I really did think that. Why? Because every member of the body has a function. Now, if you're saved and you're a member of this church, you have a function as a part of this church. It may not, it won't be what everybody else is supposed to do. Sometimes I think we kind of get in trouble because we try to we try to just think about what everybody else ought to be doing that they're not doing. So every member different. Every member is important. My eyelashes don't do what my eardrums do. But my eardrums matter. Right? Let me ask you this tonight. I want you to think about this. What is your part in the body? What's your part? If you're saved, if you're a member of this church, what is your part in this body? What has God gifted you to do in this body? As you know, I'm in the process of regaining the use of my left arm I went and saw the surgeon this week. We had a good visit and good report. But uh, you know what he told me? He said, I want, you to, I want to see you, I think it's in July or whenever it is I'm supposed to see him again, June, sometimes down the road a ways. I want to see you again. And then I'm going to see you again in February. That is the one year anniversary for my surgery. And this is what he said. He said, it takes a full year to know how much of your strength and mobility You've been able to, and I've taken and I'm taking physical therapy seriously. I drink coffee with my left arm. I, I can use a fork with my left arm. I mean, I'm I'm really into this stuff. No, I'm really taking it serious. But the point is, I need this. I need this shoulder. I need it functioning. My whole body depends upon it. Could I function without it? Hear me now. Could I function without it? I've been functioning without it a lot. For six weeks, I couldn't even take it out of a sling. Could I function without it? Sure. But it would limit my capability. Every member of this body that is not a functioning, contributing member is limiting the capability of this body, I'm talking about this body, of, this body of Christ. It, and you say, "Well, man, I don't, you know, I, I don't know about this. I don't. Some people don't want to, don't even consider." it. I'm just wanting you to know what the Bible teaches, what the Bible says. Now, I'm going to conclude with, with this: How do we discover our gifts? How do we discover what God wants us to do? You know, Romans 12. I read this in verse six. I've read it twice. Let's read it a third time. It says. Romans 12:6 Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. God gifted me. God has gifted us. How does God want to use us? How does God want to use us? And you you could think, well I just don't think this is really relevant to me. Then what you're saying is the Bible can't be trusted because the Bible is the one that gave us this instruction. And so I think I think it really matters. The Spirit works in us. He enables us. And, and that's why I go back to that Romans 12, 1 and 2. I think that's where it starts. Present yourself to God. Give yourself to God as a living sacrifice. And let God work in your life. I think the more that God, these, you take these lessons that we've been teaching, the more that God is working in our life, the more that God is filling us, the more that God is guiding us the more we're going to really begin to figure out where we fit in and how we're to serve him. Now, this may have crossed your mind at some point. But if we're going to do that, it's going to cost us a little time and energy and concern, right? I mean, we're going to have to, it's a part of it. Selfish, Selfish people can't do this. Selfish people can't live what the Bible teaches right here. We're gifted to serve others in the church. and That's black and white right here in the language of the New Testament. We're gifted to serve others, to profit others. And if a person is so selfish with their time that they don't want to contribute, if they're carnally minded, this is not going to happen. It just can't happen. They'll let everybody else carry the load and they'll just, you know, go along for the ride. But this, this is for Bible Christians right here. This is for Bible, New Testament Bible Christians. And I think if we're willing to serve God and we're willing to serve others, the more we serve, the more we're really going to see how God's plan works for our life. We're hearing a lot about this in the news. If you listen to the news and watch the news, and it ought to be concerning to you, but we're hearing a lot about the moves in our culture toward a socialistic society and it's not a good thing. I read recently that more than 50% of the people in America pay no taxes. But that doesn't keep them from crying out to successful people to pay more taxes. You know what? They want something for nothing. But I think everybody who's able and willing ought to contribute, don't you? I think I don't think we ought to just it, it shouldn't be just a free handout to everybody. But the same thing is true in the church. In the church, every member should be doing their part. Every member should be praying. Every member should be giving. Every member should be serving. And we're to, we're to serve we're to, we're to serve with the idea, God, I want you to help me to know what you want me to do. Right? Now, I, honestly, I would do this. If I had to, I would go and work in the three-year-old apartment next Sunday but God knows I don't want to do it. (laughs) I'm terrified of those (laughs) three-year-olds. But you know what? There's some people, though, that are genuinely gifted to minister to that age group people. I I know it's not my spiritual gift. I'm not saying I couldn't do it. I would do it if my wife had helped me. (laughs) (laughs) But what is it God wants you to do? There, There could be people here that God has, God has designed you and put the ability in you to minister to people on a certain age level and you're not even in the ministry. And God wants to use you. God wants to use you to be a blessing to other people. God, God And you know what? There's nothing like serving the Lord and knowing we're doing what God wants us to do. Sometimes we need to be encouraged. I hope that's I hope that's what I'm doing tonight. I was reading uh, yesterday where Paul wrote to Timothy. I think it's interesting that he wrote this is his, this was Paul's last epistle. The last letter he would write, 2 Timothy before he went to the really to have his head severed, to be honest about it. He wrote to Timothy and this is what he said, to Tim, one of the things he said to Timothy. Stir up the gift that's in you. You've been gifted. Keep stirring that. You know why he needed that stir? He needed his gift to be stirred. In the language, if you were to go and study that in, the, in your Bible, the language is about rekindling a, fly, a fire. You know how fire just kind of gets down and it's about to dwindle away and you can poke on it and stir it up and the flame. Paul said to Timothy... Stir up the gift that's in you. There's a gift. He, he was a gifted man. But Timothy had some of the same problems you and I have. That's why, why it says, Paul said to Timothy, For God hath not given up the spirit of uh, uh, fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. You know, when some people in this room start thinking about serving God, they get afraid. Can I do it? What if I fail? What if I mess up? And, and, and I think Paul, and I think all of us have. I have had the same thing. Stir up the gift. The, you know, don't, don't give in to that spirit of fear, but realize that God has given you the ability to do what He wants you to do. Overcome. And take this as a word of encouragement. Overcome the fears that are associated with you stepping out and serving. People have actually told me, people who've been in ministry have told me, you know, I just don't want to love people anymore because when you love people, you get hurt. And you know what? That's true, right? It's true. The more you love, the more you can hurt. But don't let that stop you. God God wants us to be His servants. And He's gifted us to serve Him. If I'll tell you if God, God's given us some great servants in this church, I mean people who love the Lord and people who love people and people who want to serve and they're involved in the ministry, God gives us the power to do what we ought to do. And you say, well, I could never be like that person. That's the whole point. You're not to be like that person. You're to be what God wants you to be. All of us are not gifted in the same way, but all of us are gifted by God, to serve Him and to serve others in the church. It would be wrong to make too much of the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus said that when He came, He would magnify the Lord. That's That's what He does primarily, magnify the Lord. But I tell you, we need to understand the person of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He wants to fill our lives. He wants to give us power. He wants to lead us, direct us. We need His direction. And He wants to use us. He wants to use us. And I would suggest that this would be a good place to start if if this applies to you. Just say, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do but I want to know. And I just want to give you my life. I just want to give you my life. I want to dedicate my life to you. And I think, second of all, just start, find a place to start serving. And God will lead you. And He'll help you know. Like, he'll help, like He's helped me to know. Stay out of the third grade class, the third three-year-old class. He'll help you know. But there's something you can do. There's something you should be doing for God and for others.